Hi everyone, I'm Gary Knoll. Nice to have you with us today. We have a lot to share. And we began with a study from the Medical University in China. And it's about two simple uh, nutrients that when taken together can help you heal your liver. Now maybe you've hurt your liver because of alcohol consumption or high fructose corn syrup, or maybe you've had hepatitis, B and C, that can really hurt the liver. Whatever the cause, schisandra, that's S-C-H-I-S-A-N-D-R-A, schisandra berries, and astragalus, A-S-T-R-A-G-A-L-U-S, astragalus root, work in synergy. And this was shown when the scientists at the university wanted to know what can help the liver. And they found that it helps restore the liver to its ultimate uh, utilization. I won't go into the science because it's a little technical. It deals with lignans, which uh, are very good and found in schisandra and very strong antioxidants. But they've worked. So if you have liver problems, try those two things together. Our next study comes from the Alborg University Hospital in Denmark, and it's about, once again, blueberries. We've had so many good studies on blueberries, and blueberries were able to treat widespread IBS safely and uh, where drugs fail. For the over 5% of adults suffering from uncomfortable irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, there's a nice solution, and it also helps eliminate a lot of the digestive distress and that comes, unfortunately, with the, with the problem. And uh, this was a landmark study because IBS is a global problem and it's the costliest gastrointestinal disorder with few satisfactory therapies despite extensive drug trials. Alarmingly, over 70% of IBS patients report inadequate control of their illness. But a recently completed randomized trial for just six weeks of freeze-dried blueberries, a powder, increased self-reported abdominal symptom relief by 23% compared to the placebo group, especially for those with long-standing IBS uh, or what is called dyspepsia. Unlike isolated components that naturally target single mechanisms, the full matrix of beneficial phytochemicals and metabolites in whole blueberries appear just wonderful because they interact synergistically against underlying intestinal dysfunction. And beyond improving bowel disorders, regular blueberry consumption lowers inflammation, diabetes lowers the risk, and cardiovascular disease lowers the risk. How about that? All those wonderful things by just having blueberries. Our next study is really good news for those of you who've been taking, without a lot of success, but a lot of danger, the non-steroidal anti-inflammatory, the pain relievers, especially for knee arthritis. This is from Hebei Medical University in China. And what they found is that exercise is better. This groundbreaking study found a tailored 12-week exercise program yielded superior improvement in pain, function, and quality of life compared to the non anti-inflammatories, which, by the way, a lot of people die from. And uh, 
in treating knee osteoarthritis patients. The findings support conservative exercise therapies over risky anti-inflammatories. And for osteoarthritis sufferers worldwide, movement may soon trump medication as first-line treatment. So, something to consider. And I gave you the, all the information is on our website. Also, nighttime electronic devices were used and they lowered melatonin levels. This is from Brigham and Women's Hospital. This was published, by the way, in the National Academy of Sciences Proceedings. And they found at Boston's Brigham and Women's Hospital a suppressed effect for evening use of light-emitting electronic devices, meaning like uh, anything that gives off the blue light, not good at all. In fact, you should take some black tape and cover those lights up uh, because they adversely affect the pineal gland, and that can in, in turn affect, along with other electronic devices, the electromagnetic frequencies can cause sleep deprivation and reduction in melatonin secretion. The melatonin is crucial. It's one of the single important antioxidants your body secretes. It helps your overall immune system. That's why when you have a good night's sleep, your immune system is vital in the morning. Quote, electronic devices emit light that is short wavelength enriched light, which has a high concentration of blue light with a peak around 450 nm than natural light. And this is different from natural light in composition, having greater impact on sleep and circadian rhythms. That's what they, they said. So try to look around. Look at your computer. Look at, your, look at all the things that you use electronically. If you see a blue light, cover it up or unplug it better still. And you'll get a better night's sleep. Also from the University of Utah, how a walk in nature restores attention. New research from the University of Utah psychology researchers are helping to prove what American authors John Muir and Henry David Thoreau tried to teach more than 150 years ago. Quality time spent in nature is good for the heart and the soul. In this study, it was conducted at the Red Butte Garden, and they used electroencephalograph, or EEG, which records electrical activity in the brain with small discs attached to the scalp to measure participants' attention capacity. And what they found is this, according to their study, a walk in the woods, a walk in nature, enhances certain exclusive and executive control processes in the brain above and beyond the benefits associated with exercise. And it concludes that the, the study, which by the way is in scientific reports, that executive control occurs in the brain's prefrontal cortex, an area critical for working memory, decision-making, problem-solving, and coordinating disparate tasks. So, we've known a long time that you can relax, you de-stress when you're in green space, a park, in a backyard, a garden. I just finished building, by the way, my latest garden. It's one of the things I do to relax, de-stress. I've had this hobby for a long time, and I just never mention it. But this time around, 
I thought it might be worthwhile to suggest that if I put photographs up of the different stages of development in a relatively small space, it was about, uh, oh, let's say 60 feet wide and about 40 feet long, about the size of most people's backyard. Some people may want to use it and modify it to their own aesthetic needs, but it's a very tranquil, very peaceful place. I go and do my writing, and it took me total, doing it myself, um, about three weeks. I didn't do the sucko, but uh, getting the right kind of plants, getting perennials, different colors, aromatic plants, and so you're, you're just in a cacophony of wonderful smells, but that just totally lowers your blood pressure, it lowers your cortisol level to be in a garden. And then you have butterflies, and uh, then I built a little uh, tiki hut, and the tiki hut has a uh, has screen in it, so it's free of insects. So you can just sit in one of these in your backyard, don't worry about mosquitoes, and just relax, enjoy, read, listen to music, listen to nature. Very, very uh, important for our health. So if you go up on GaryNoll.com, as of, I'll put those up later this week, you'll see a lifetime achievement, and one of them is uh, landscaping, and uh, or what we call landscape architecture, meaning you're, you're construct, designing constructing structures in nature that uh, are important for you. In any case, um, it's meant to share and help other people, maybe get a little motivated. But anytime you can go to the beach and walk on the sand, go by a mountain lake, a stream, you're going to be enhanced by this. And many researchers suspect a primal need for nature is baked into the human DNA and diminishes access to nature as putting our health at risk. I know a lot of friends of mine that they live in a city, in this case Los Angeles or New York City, and they just never get out of it. If they do, it's just going from one part of the city to another. Concrete, glass, steel, noise, artificial light, never seeing the sky at night too many people, and yet we maladapt to that. I recently said that when I was back in New York recently, I saw something different that I'd never seen before. Now, mind you, I've been in New York since June 5th, 1965. I'm, uh, because of COVID, I was down here and uh, in Florida at the Animal Sanctuary. And now that I've seen the changes that are occurring, people are still there. The buildings are still there. You still have opera and symphonies. You still have wonderful culture there, the best in the world. And some of the nicest people you ever meet are New Yorkers. But something has changed. Something on a primal level. I was walking down Broadway from 89th Street to Lincoln Center, 65th Street, and I saw a lot of homeless people, but I They've always been there. But then I saw people with mental conditions and not just harmlessly talking to themselves, but uh, screaming at people, flaring the fists at people. And one guy with a steel rod about six feet long just bashing car windows and swinging at people's heads. 
And then I stopped and I just looked at this. And what was important was not that this person who definitely needs medical help not be thrown in a prison, but help him with whatever's wrong with his uh, biochemistry or his conditioning. Everybody was just kind of walking around him. They weren't running. They were just getting out of the way and went about their business. And I thought, wow, we're adapting to this. This is the new normal, and it shouldn't be. In any case, uh, I'd like to see more people get out of the city, even on the weekend, and go to a park nearby or go into nature, however you choose to do it. We have a wonderful park, Central Park, that's only safe during part of the day, and nobody goes in at night except those people who are predators. And we have Riverside Park, and we have Prospect Park in Brooklyn, and we have all these parks, and they're very helpful. They're very healing. So spend time in nature. That's what this study is showing. But because they're saying part of our nature is to be in nature. Right? So that's important. And finally, from the University of Michigan, exposure to toxic metals, lead, mercury, cadmium, just in most people's drinking water, or eating fish, where you have all these chemicals from farm factory farm fish and... Uh, the only two fish that I would ever suggest that if people are going to eat fish, eat, would be wild salmon and sardines. Everything else, the bigger the fish, like a swordfish, lots of heavy metals. So, But we get metals from a lot of different places. You should see about using a diet that actually chelates the metals out. The more green vegetables, the more green juices, chlorophyll, a wheatgrass juice, a spirulina. These are all good for your chlorella and vitamin C. Or EDTA, ethylene diamine tetracetic acid, helps chelate out heavy metals. But this study says this. When you're exposed to toxic metals, it accelerates a woman's ovary aging. So you don't want that. You don't want the exposure to toxins in the water. By the way, remember years ago, we found that how toxic Flint water was. Nobody should be drinking it. And then they kept charging people, you know, for polluted water. It turns out that there are 5,000 additional communities in the United States that have water as toxic or more toxic than Flint's. And all metals are toxic in that water. And it has a direct effect on women's ovaries. An alarming new study by a team with the Endocrine Society uh, warned that middle-aged women exposed to toxic metals like arsenic, cadmium, mercury, and lead could have a reduced number of eggs in their ovaries as they near menopause. And it's known as diminished ovarian reserve. It means having fewer eggs compared to others of the same age and is associated with various health issues. Not good. Not good. Nothing that interrupts a woman's natural uh, natural hormone balance is good. That's the latest on the health and the healing. We're going to take a break and come right back. Please stay with us. Welcome back, everyone. And a special shout out to all of the people in Australia. The average citizen who appreciates freedom is going through a rough time now. 
because they have a very corrupt government, very fascistic, and uh, they're looking for the truth. Trouble is, a lot of the truth-sayers are banned from the country. They're not allowed in. Also, a shout-out to the people in Ireland, especially the family of physicians that uh, used to join us in the running club to do marathons together. And uh, now they're over there helping the good people of Ireland stay healthy. And I can assure you, they would be giving different advice on vaccinations, especially the COVID vaccines, than the average physician. What we're going to be doing for the rest of this program, and I will set time aside for you to call in, is I'm going to connect the dots. I'm going to show you that something historical that happened in 1984 up until this time was all wrong. Everything about what they did, discovered, should have been challenged and was. And how the same people who did this in 1984 are doing it today. And while some people will believe in an Anthony Fauci, if you knew the full truth and what he was responsible for and how he doesn't answer any direct questions now about his activities or his communications, he simply says, well, Dr. Paul, once again, you're wrong about everything, but you didn't answer the question. So we're going to answer questions. And a lot of what you're going to hear now, you had no knowledge of. This is the first time. But let me tell you why I'm doing it. Because over the weekend, I took time to watch some videos. And one of the videos I came across was an older Joe Rogan interview. He was still in California, a very cluttered, chaotic-looking studio, so bad that his guest, Dr. Peter Duisberg, Professor Duisberg, one of the greatest molecular biologists in history, um, who was at UCLA, uh, was being interviewed. And his mic wasn't working. So we only heard a very faint voice. But the most important part of this long interview, and Joe asked a lot of very good questions, but he didn't do his homework. When you think if someone's making a $100 million contract, you can hire scholars, independent, apolitical scholars. And you say, I'm going to be dealing with these five issues this week. Give me all the background. I want to find the truth before I interview someone who may be biased, may be plausible or reasonable, but what if the information is wrong and I've got this huge audience, I'm going to be dispensing misinformation. But he doesn't do that. He is completely ignorant on some topics and better, better aware on other topics. He is a needed voice, and I appreciate his presence. But for anyone who knows Joe Rogan personally, or can get information to him, today's information is essential that he gets it because he should do a new interview. And Peter Duisberg, who I believe had a stroke uh, two years ago and is recovering, if he can't do it, then Celia Farber could. All right? Here's the deal. He would, Peter, uh, Peter Duisberg was discussing how everything we were told about AIDS was wrong. And he was correct. Science and his, independent science and history has shown he was correct. Anthony Fauci, who promoted AZT, the same guy who promoted remdesivir, which you'll hear a little later, kills people, um, and probably the majority of people going into hospitals with COVID diagnosis. Um, he was a part of that whole fraud. 
Now, easy, uh, HIV is not a fraud. It's a, it's a real retrovirus. But is it true that it causes 30 different conditions? And the answer is by itself, no. In combination with other risk factors, yes. Then why weren't we told this? Why weren't we told that not everyone is equally susceptible? Why we were left in a panic then? Anthony Fauci and Robert Gallo. In my opinion, distributors of more misinformation. But they held the purse strings. If you wanted to do research, you had to do it based upon what they felt were the protocols. And hence, no other protocol for AIDS was allowed. So in Joe Rogan's interview, he says something to the following. He says, well, it's unfortunate you're the only scientist, you know, who is dissenting from this. If only more did. Here's the important message to Joe Rogan. And please get this to him. I'm going to post on GaryNoll.com under AIDS 2,987 doubters and challengers to the HIV paradigm. Almost 3,000 scientists, many Nobel Prize winners, many chairmen of Department of Science, Virology, Microbiology, Immunology. These are some of the best and brightest scientists and physicians, activists in the world. And yet, no media would cover it. No one would interview them. Instead, they targeted just a handful of people coming forward saying that we have to look at the total lifestyle. We have to look at all the information, not just say that it's a virus and, and then try to get antiviral drugs. By the way, to this time, they've had over 100 vaccines tested for AIDS. Not one has worked. Of course, it's not going to work because based upon things other than just being infected by this retrovirus. In any case, so he was, he was misguided on that, that, that his guest was the only person out there speaking. If only there were other reasoned voices, then a whole new dialogue could open. No, there were thousands upon thousands. Now, Joe, did you actually read the Great Barrington Declaration? I don't know. I'm one of the signatories to it. But I was only one of 75,000 legitimate scientists who published in Peer Review Journal, has done original research, been acknowledged for that, who signed it. What was it? Three of the greatest epidemiologists in the world, one from Harvard, one from Oxford University, and one from Stanford University, together have over 1,000 peer-reviewed published papers, acknowledged as the best. Anthony Fauci gets an email from the head of the whole division that oversees all of the governmental health agencies, Health and Human Services, Dr. Collins. And Dr. Collins is asking, how can we, in effect, how can we destroy these people's credibility, destroy their reputations so nobody takes what they're saying seriously? Call them fringe. Now, there's a dialogue that has been made public by Rand Paul in emails between Anthony Fauci and Collins. Now, everything then happens when Fauci, late at night, gets a whole group of scientists together on the phone and text mail, and they're talking about how we can show that this is a natural occurring, economic phenomena, and not laboratory-made. And yet, this same Anthony Fauci and his National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease have been funding millions upon millions upon millions of dollars to Peter Desick at, uh, at his group, 
who then funneled it off to Wuhan, specifically for gain-of-function research, which is biological research, is to make a pathogen more pathogenic, to make more people susceptible. And then it gets into the public. Who wants to take credit for that? Everyone's going to lie, deny, avoid. But the evidence is in. And in fact, all of the people who signed a letter to uh, Lancet showing this didn't come from a laboratory, but they had no proof of that. To the contrary, their earlier email showed that in all likelihood it came from a laboratory. Well, it did come from a laboratory. There's unequivocal 100% evidence of that. And also we have proof because a patent was filed on uh, for the vaccine on COVID, the SARS-2 COVID, prior to it being an epidemical. Hold, hold on a second. Think for a moment. Please, everyone, how in the world do you create a cure before you knew there was a disease identified? Think of that for a moment. And we have, because of the good work of Dr. David Martin, who's the world's leading experts on patents and who owns them, he tracked it all back. And this scientist at Wuhan published a paper on this, got a patent on it, and then for some reason decided to jump off the building and commit suicide. Well, how's that happen? And then later, then we find out, oh, there's a pandemic, and it's due probably to this uh, virus, this virus of nature. No, it was a human-made virus, and it was weaponized. It was a pure biological agent. But nobody will say that, because then someone's going to have to say, who funded these laboratories? How many are there? Where are they? And we only find that out when a woman who was the third most powerful person in the State Department, now the most powerful, forget Lincoln, he's a fool, but uh, Gloria Newland and her and her husband are the leading couple neocons in America. I mean, they are pro-war at every level, and they fully support regime change. How do we know? Well, because we got audio tapes of her speaking with the American ambassador to Ukraine saying, we're selecting, we just spent $5 billion getting rid of the democratic elected government because they wouldn't work with us. And now we're in installing our own government. So we, the United States, overthrew through regime change, by the way, about 67 times we've done this since World War II and that we know of, and we overthrew this regime. Now we have everyone we can control in the regime. And that's how Zelensky gets in there, and Poroshenko and others. In any case, um, she acknowledges, under questioning from Matt Gates, and he wasn't asking about biological weapons. He was simply asking about laboratories over there. And she said, yeah, we have about, I think she said 23 or 26. In Ukraine, one of the most dangerous countries, corrupt countries in the world. But then we find out we have them all over the world. And we find out that they leak viruses all the time. All the time. And now we just found out that China acknowledged it just created, weaponized, through biological means, genetic engineering, the most deadly pathogen ever created. It's 100% fatal. And you die quickly. Why did they do that? What is the purpose purpose is it can be used at getting into the pop, pop, a population. 
that's stupid. You saw how the last one wasn't contained. Well, I'm merely giving that as backdrop because in that Great, Decla uh, Great Barrington Declaration, everything that was wrong about the protocols for COVID were outlined. Now there's over half a million signatories to the Great Barrington Declaration. All across the world, individual physicians, scientists, groups, nurses are waking up and saying, we got it all wrong, and they are correct. And this was intentionally wrong for different reasons, and they are also correct. The proof is there. But when was the last time that you knew that there was a list for, for AIDS back in the 1980s of 2,987 top minds who said, we got it wrong. No one would touch it. They too were gaslit and attacked as fringe. And that's what they tried to say about these three epidemiologists who broke the, the news on what was wrong with Fauci's protocols. They were wrong. And he then found them and suddenly they were fringe. And we have the communication proving all this. All right. And yet the media still treats him like he's a darling you know, of science. He is science. No. He is utterly and contemptibly misguided. I'm not in his mind, so I, I don't know what his motives are. I won't suggest that. But I'm going to tell you, if Joe Rogan can get a list of those doubters, 3,000, and bring some of the Nobel Prize winners, chairmen of the Department of Science, Virology, Immunology, bring them on as a panel onto his program and spend five hours with him, because I've spent over... 20,000 hours of scholarship on AIDS. Just so you know, I was the first journalist in the United States to take on the AIDS community. And that was no easy match because they had total control over the media. And Fauci and Gallo over the funding and the protocols. And their protocols failed miserably. Hundreds of thousands died, as you will find out. So, Joe, the information's there. But, Joe, here's what you don't know, haven't read, and no one in this audience has either. A letter. This is a letter that I was responsible in part for causing it to be created because I brought over Janine Roberts, probably one of the two most important John Pilger investigative journalists in the world. Brought her over because she had communicated with me. She had seen the work I'd done on AIDS, written the, uh, the articles of five award-winning documentaries, AIDS, Inc., AIDS, The Real Heroes, Pain, Problem, Politics of AIDS, uh, and others. And she knew I was working with AIDS and, and reversing it. And she came over. She stayed in my place. And she showed me a folder that she had gotten from the sister of Dr. Popovic, who you'll hear about in a moment. In that, there was a manuscript his manuscript, he was co-director or right under Gallo over at the National Cancer Institute. And there he writes in the paper, and we have it. And we presented at a press conference over at 92nd Street. Siri Farber and others were there. And in fact, a lot of the dissidents within the AIDS community were there. We're watching it. We streamed it. And she laid out her argument that there was no... Uh, Gallo did not discover the HIV virus, that when he, Popovic, contacted the National Cancer Institute and the head of their electron 
my chocolatey division, uh, he could find no virus. It was just cellular debris. And it's in his letter. And it's in the article he was writing for Science Magazine. So there was, there was nothing there. They didn't prove anything. They didn't discover anything. And it's in the original manuscript. But Gallo was out of the country at that time trying to sell an antibody test. I believe he was at the Institute of Pasteur doing that. In any case, Gallo comes back, reads the article that doesn't show they discovered anything, and that the, the electronic uh, images showed cellular debris but no viral activity, and he scribbles through it. Now she's got the original version, and she's got the written-up version, edited version, change version by Gallo. The public and scientific community never knows this. They never see there's two versions. And uh, why did Popovic make the effort to give it to his sister in another country? That we do not know. But she got her hands on it because she's just that, she was that brilliant. She's no longer with us. So I then hold the press conference. We get this information out and we get it to um, we get it, David and others who were in the uh, AIDS challenge community. And that's how this letter got written 24 years later. So I'm going to read you um, this letter now. And again, I want you to send this to Joe Rogan because this is a, a, a wake-up call. All right? This is one of those things that, that if we knew we, we at that time, there'd be an altogether different outcome of what we're dealing with today. Okay, um, but before we read the letter, um, I want to play you a clip, and then I'll come back to the letter, because the letter is from a group of the most prestigious scientists, physicians in America, to the editor-in-chief of the... Uh, Science Magazine that published four articles in 1984, uh, and that established, that was the entire foundation that, uh, that AIDS was causing all this pandemic. Everybody uh, had to get tested. Of course, Gallo also owned that test, a patent on one of the tests. And yet, when you look at the package insert, it says, do not use this as a diagnostic tool because they're not testing for the virus, they're testing for the antibodies. Well, hold on a second. Cautious postulates. If, if you take a vaccine or you get naturally infected by something and you overcome it, the body produces antibodies. So the next time it recognizes the pathogen, it attacks it and destroys it. Not the case. Hmm. So what was the difference here? The difference was the body had active, uh, had a lot of, of active antibodies. But what about the virus? They're saying the virus is not important. In fact, what I'm going to do, I'm just going to read you the article right now. Then we'll go to this other clip of all these nurses and people working who've come together to tell the truth about COVID. The same thing they tried to do with AIDS, they were destroyed. Now they try to tell the truth about what's going on in hospitals and the deaths that didn't have to happen and what they're calling murder. No one in the media is touching them, they're being gaslit, their careers are being destroyed. Thank goodness we have these courageous physicians and nurses who are 
bringing the truth to you, but you're not going to hear about this anywhere else. So the same cast of characters controlling the medical monopoly in 2000, uh, 1984 on AIDS and the disaster that caused so many people to die and wouldn't allow any alternative uh, comments, no alternative uh, possibilities in hypothesis or treatments. Same thing with COVID. Same Anthony Fauci. Same corruption at every level. Quote, this is to the editor-in-chief of Science Magazine. On May 4th, 1984, your journal published four papers by a group led by Dr. Robert Gallo. We are writing to express our serious concerns with regard to the integrity and veracity of the lead paper among these four, of which Dr. Michaelis Popovic is the lead author. The other three are also of concern because they rely upon the conclusions of the lead paper. In the early 1990s, several highly uh, critical articles and reports on the research underlying these papers was produced as a result of government inquiries working under the supervision of scientists nominated by the National Academy of Sciences and the Institute of Medicine as an aside. When you bring the Institute of Medicine and National Academy of Science, you're talking about the most respected, qualified scientists, physicians in America to sit in judgment. No one knows this. What I'm telling you, nobody knows. All right? Uh, not the average physician, scientist, or layperson, because all this was hidden. Quote, back to the letter. The Office of Research Integrity of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services concluded that the lead paper, quote, listen carefully, everyone, quote, was fraught with false and erroneous statements, end quote, and that the, quote, ORI believes that the careless and unacceptable keeping of research records reflects irresponsible laboratory management that has per permanently impaired the ability to retrace the important steps taken, end quote. Further, a congressional subcommittee on oversight investigations led by Representative uh, Dingell, Democrat of Michigan, produced a staff report on the papers which contained scathing criticisms of their integrity. Despite the publicly available record of challenges to their veracity, these papers have remained uncorrected and continue to be a part of the scientific record. What prompts our communication today is the recent revelation of an astonishing number of previously unreported deletions and unjustified alterations made by Gallo to the lead paper. This is what I was referring to earlier. There are several documents originating from Gallo's laboratory that, while available for some time, have only recently been fully analyzed. These include a draft of the lead paper typewritten by Dr. Popovic, which contains handwritten changes made to it by Gallo. This draft was the key evidence used in the above-described inquiries to establish that Gallo had concealed his laboratory's use of a cell culture sample known as LAV, which it received from the Institute Pasteur. That means he, he took the, their, the Institute Pasteur and Luc Montagnier, who won the Nobel Prize, by the way, by himself, not with Gallo, and uh, he then used it as if he had discovered it. He did not. Quote, these earlier inquiries verified that the type manuscript draft was produced by Dr. Popovov, who had carried out the recorded experiment while his laboratory chief, Dr. Gallo, was in Europe and that upon his return, Gallo changed the document, 
by the way, just days before, by hand, a few days before it was submitted to science on March 30, 1984. According to ORI investigation, quote, Dr. Gallo systematically rewrote the manuscript for what would become a renowned LTCB, Gallo's Laboratory at the National Cancer Institute paper, end quote. Hmm. What do we call when someone takes an original manuscript and changes it without anyone's knowledge or approval and changes the entire black to white, changes nothing, no evidence of uh, HIV here, to, oh, we found the virus, and here's a picture of it. And yet the very same person who said there's nothing there later would say, oh, yeah, but that was a construct. That was an artifact. It wasn't the actual virus that was filmed. Quote, this document provided the important evidence that established the basis for awarding Dr. Luc Montenay and Dr. Uh, Franskos Berry Sinosi the 19, uh, 2008 Nobel Prize in Medicine for the discovery of the AIDS virus by proving it was their sample of LAV that Popovic used in his key experiment. The draft reveals that Popovic had forthrightly admitted using the French sample of LAV renamed as Gallo's virus, HTLV, uh, HTLV-3, and that Gallo had deleted this admission, concealing their use of the LAV, meaning concealed that they used the LAV virus discovered in Pasteur Institute and called it their own. Wow. However, it has not been previously reported on page three of this same document. Gallo had also deleted Popovic's unambiguous statement that, quote, this is on the original document that was written by the person running the laboratory during the original AIDS research. Quote, despite intensive research efforts, the causative agent of AIDS has not yet been identified. Let me repeat that. This is the man who was responsible for the original paper that ended up in science, but this was deleted. Quote, so all the AIDS activists out there, why don't you try doing a little less screaming and a lot more homework and real scholarship and investigative journalism? But you haven't. And hence the myth continues. Quote, I want you to hear this clearly. This is what was in the original manuscript that was marked, marked out. Despite intensive research efforts, the causative agent of AIDS has not yet been identified. End in, quote. And Gallo replaced it in the published paper with a statement that said practically the opposite, namely, quote, quote, that a retrovirus of HTLV family might be an ideologic agent of AIDS was suggested by the findings, end quote. Not true. Not true at all. And we have the before, and we have Gallows changing it. All right? I want the public to know, because you don't know this information. Quote, it is clear that the rest of Popovic's type paper is entirely consistent with his statement that the cause of AIDS had not been found, despite his use of the French LAV. Popovic's final conclusion was that the culture he produced, quote, provides the possibility, end quote, of detailed studies, meaning we got more research to do on this. He claimed to have achieved nothing more. At no point in this paper did Popovic attempt to prove that any virus caused AIDS. And it is evident that Gallo concealed these key elements in Popovic's experimental findings. 
It is astonishing now to discover 24 le- hour, years later that unreported changes to such a seminal document. We can only assume that Gallo's alterations of Popovic's conclusions were not highlighted by earlier inquiries because the focus at the time was on establishing the sample used by Gallo's lab came from Montagnier and the Institut Pasteur and was not independently collected by Gallo. In fact, the only attention paid to the deletion made by Gallo's pertains to his effort to hide the identity of the sample. The questions of whether Gallo and Popovic's research proved that LAV or any other virus was the cause of AIDS were clearly not considered. Related to these questions are other long overdue, overlooked documents that merit your attention. One of these is a letter from Dr. Matthew Gonda, then head of the Electron Microscopy Laboratory at the National Cancer Institute, which is addressed to Popovic, copied to Gallo, and dated just four days prior to Gallo's submission to science. In this letter, Dr. Gonda remarks on samples he had been sent for imaging because, quote, Dr. Gallo wanted these micrographs for publication because they contain HTLV, end quote. He states, quote, listen carefully, everyone. This is the top person in all the National Cancer Institute who has a whole division, so he is the key master. Quote, I do not believe any of the particles photographed are HTLV1, 2, or 3, end quote. According to Dr. Gonda, one sample contains cellular debris, while another had no particles near the size of a retrovirus. Despite Gonda's clearly worded statement, science published on May 4, 1984, papers attributed to Gallo with micrographs attributed to Gonda and described unequivocally as HTLV3. Do you consider that scientific fraud? The entire edifice of everything AIDS rests upon this, what I'm telling you now. And it was all scientific, in my opinion, scientific fraud. This is a crime against humanity, in my opinion. And yet, in another letter, quote, by Gallo, dated one day before he submitted his papers to science, Gallo states, quote, it's extremely rare to find fresh cells from AIDS patients expressing the virus. Cell culture seems to be necessary to induce virus. Let me repeat that. He's got these patients who have AIDS, but he can't find the virus. Quote, it's extremely rare to find fresh cells from AIDS patients expressing the virus. Cell culture seems to be necessary to induce virus. Also, you need another outside medium. Hmm. And there we are, a statement which raises the possibility he was working with a laboratory artifact. Induced, included here, are copies of these documents and links to the same. The very serious flaws they reveal in the preparation of the lead paper published in your journal in 1984 prompts our request that this paper be withdrawn. It appears that key experimental findings have been concealed. We further request that the three associated papers published on the same date also be withdrawn as they depend upon the accuracy of this paper. For the scientific record to be reliable, it is vital that papers shown to be flawed or falsified be retracted. 
because a very public record now exists showing that the Gallo papers drew unjustified conclusions. Their withdrawal from Science Magazine is all the more important to maintain integrity. Future researchers must also understand they cannot rely upon the 1984 Gallo papers for statements about HIV and AIDS, and all authors of papers that previously relied upon this set of four papers should have the opportunity to consider whether their own conclusions are weakened by these uh, revelations. End quote. That's the end of it. And then you have uh, a Dr. Al Batadi, um, toxicologist, pathologist, uh, Toxic Health International Institute, uh, Department of Surgery, Division of Neurosurgery and Neuroscience, McMaster's University, Dr. Balik, Dr. Henry Bauer, PhD, Dean Emeritus of Arts and Science, Professor Emeritus of Chemistry and Science, Virginia Polytech Institute State, uh, State University, Pierre uh, Ben-Grigal, PhD, Professor Emeritus, University of British Columbia, and uh, Dr. Har- Harvey Bailey, by the way, who I interviewed in depth, uh, founding scientific editor of Nature Biotechnology, author of Oncogenes uh, and AIDS, A Scientific Life and Times of Peter Duisberg, and a whole list, I could go on and on, professor of, of sciences, professor of cancer research, University of Newcastle, Dr. Gordon Burns. It's just all these scientists are on here. I was asked what I want to be a signatory, and I told David no, because I'm the one that got all this information out there, and someone say, well, then it's a biased person. All these people had nothing to do with AIDS. And, uh, but here there are signature after signature. In fact, how many people, I asked the person who put this together, how many people could have signed this? He said over 3,000. But that would have been overwhelming, and we didn't want to do that. And what was the response? Zero. That shows you something about what happens. And it's happened in Nature magazine. It's happened in all these other magazines. I don't even read The Lancet anymore because there's so many articles that are wrong, that had to be pulled. At least the British Medical Journal, which I still read, has the integrity uh, to show how corrupt science has become. I did a whole documentary on this. In fact, I was just looking at the reviews of that documentary this morning, Science for Hire. And I saw Jimmy, if it's the same Jimmy Dore, gave us a very positive review. But one of the scientists for the, the one of the most respected uh, scientific institutions in the world gave it a very, very positive view from the Cochrane Group. So that's up on Rumble, if you want to watch that uh, uh, and see the truth on science. Now, Dr. Angel, who was 22 years the editor-in-chief of the New England Journal of Medicine, has come out showing how many peer-reviewed studies are false, how many scientific studies had to be withdrawn. We're dealing with thousands. And over 60% of all scientific studies cannot be reproduced, meaning they're junk science. So... Now we have the truth. At least you have the truth. You should send this letter to Joe Rogan because this will give Joe the information that better enlightens him on a topic that he only has very, very superficial information on. Now he'll have hard, scholarly, scientific, legally precedented information from which to make judgments. Because the same Anthony Fauci that ruled the roost along with Robert Gallo They're both still alive, and this information should be challenging everything that they did. Does it mean that we didn't have AIDS? Oh, yes, we had AIDS. 
and we had all the symptoms of AIDS, and we had HIV. But then all the other anomalies occurred, and I won't get into it now. I've written multiple papers on it in national publications, and I wrote a textbook on this, AIDS of Second Opinion, that was edited by an outside editor, uh, Dr. James Feast, to make sure everything in there, over 3,900 scientific references were fully documented and supporting what I was saying, and no one reviewed the book. No one reviewed it. And uh, why? Because it couldn't go against the political culture that involved itself in the AIDS paradigm, just like today. You can write the best scientific papers, and what you could do is end up getting yourself a gaslit and uh, shadowed and and botted into oblivion. Because, quote, you're the fringe. So we don't allow anyone to challenge orthodoxy today, but today we want to codify it by making it against the law to challenge something as hate speech in which case you've committed a felony could go to jail. Back then, you didn't go to jail. You just were no longer relevant. Well, thank goodness uh, we cured people with full-blown AIDS. Not a single one of the 2,000 people I work with died. They all got well, but those that went on the advanced protocol reversed it. And yet, none of that was known. Watch the documentary up on, go up on Rumble, Cost of Denial, and you'll see the truth. But mind you, there's the universal truth, the independent truth, then there's the corporate truth, the, the ideological truth, the big pharma truth. And that's what we're dealing with. That's why I wanted to share this with you today. Tomorrow, I'll play you a clip about all these honest nurses seeing what they called murder at every level and the corruption at every level. I didn't know that some of these doctors were making $75,000 a week treating AIDS patients in hospitals. I didn't know that. Did you? No, you didn't know until yesterday that uh, when they bus 109,000 people uh, to sanctuary cities, that it's $6,000 a person. Someone's making tens of millions of dollars, and that's not justified. But again, until we know something, we can't change that something that we know about. We want to say goodbye to our WBA audience, but we're continuing on. Now it's your chance to give us a talk back at 888-874-488. And tonight, on the Progressive Commentary, wow, put your thinking cap on because Dr. Michael Niels, N-E-H-L-S, M-D, Ph.D., He's a medical physician, but also has a PhD in molecular genetics, specializing in immunology. And uh, we're going to have a really in-depth conversation about why so many people are developing dementia and Alzheimer's and what role did, uh, what what caused all this, especially in younger people. And uh, so you're talking about one of the smartest guys on the planet. He won the Hans Prize for Molecular Psychiatry. Uh, he was uh, the vice president of the American Genomic Research uh, Area, and uh, he's written a lot of bestsellers in Germany. He speaks very good English. He won't have a problem, including the indoctrinated mind, because I ask him a basic question. Listen carefully so you don't take this out of context. And Celia Farber and I are talking on this, along with Richard Gale. Is it possible that we've used the media to indoctrinate people into false beliefs so they become compliant? Is it possible to successfully fend off the global attack on your mental freedom? Because we believe that a lot of things that people are saying 
They're saying because they've been conditioned. Anyhow, let's go to our calls if we have any. You have a chance to share your points of view. And uh, I just want to tie these two together. What's happening today, all of the freedoms you had and thought you had and the repressive nature of them and the kind of the gulag mindset, you didn't get vaccinated, you're challenging you know, your school board for bad, you know, a bad curriculum, you no longer have any rights. In fact, you're a domestic terrorist. All these things that are happening, these are not happening because of elected officials. Those are merely the pawns, the people behind the scenes who control the pharmaceutical industry, who control the media, who control the internet, who control uh, artificial intelligence, transhumanism. They're the ones behind all this, and we'll be showing that in common, uh, coming up exposés. But you're going to hear honest nurses, honest physicians telling the truth, and they're a part of a chain all across America. There's a lot of them. They're finally coming forward to tell you what really happened. They were there. They were there at the beginning, and they're going to show you the fraud and what one is calling murder. And I won't go into any more than that. And these are people losing their reputations, but they're willing to put that on the line. I think that's just terrific. They had that courage. Let me just see whether or not I'm going to ask uh, Dylan in New York. Dylan, do we have? No calls, Gary. Any? No calls? Okay. Then uh, turn in tonight. Tune in at 7 o'clock, prn.live, because Dr. Michael Nils, he is quite simply one of the most brilliant analytical minds on the planet and you will hear him tonight i'll be and i don't throw softball i mean i'm firing 100 hours at him so you'll hear how he responds it'll be polite i always believe in being um cordial and courteous but uh, i don't let anyone say something that needs challenge that isn't challenged you're going to learn a lot seven o'clock tonight thank you all for listening and have a nice day.